Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Raja Bell. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. It is Friday, baby. The weekend is around the corner. I am listening to that clip, our intro, much differently now that <laughs> yeah. Debo Same. put us under the gun. <laughs> I was thinking about Had that. a little pop quiz on that, so now I'm actually paying attention to that intro. Never forget. Yeah, exactly. But we have a big show for you. We're going to get to Reed Forgrave, one of our writers here at CBS Sports, does an outstanding job with college basketball. He's actually at, at the SEC tournament, but he's going to help us break down all of March Madness as we prepare for our brackets, get the college basketball discussion going. We've got our five-star Q&A because it's Friday. we got some good questions for that. Tiger is back. Raja was watching him every single shot, you know, just Word. dialed in. Uh, NBA streaks. The Rockets are hot. And we're going to do some unwritten rules of sports. Huh. Some we like, some we don't. But let's get some college basketball because sure. there were some great games yesterday. The story for me in Alabama's Colin Sexton had a game winner that was incredible. Might have helped uh, get Alabama into the tournament. Reigns to see how they do against Auburn today. But for me, I don't watch much regular season college basketball. Like just full disclosure. Like I, I don't know. I feel like the product has been diluted. I like to watch recognizable names. Yep. So that for that reason, I was watching a lot of Trey Young, which right. was kind of forced down our throats all basketball season. But there was a guy, Michael Porter Jr., who was actually only played two minutes. This season, before he injured his back, had, you know, to go through rehab surgery, comes back for the first time yesterday from Missouri against Georgia. They lose 62 to 60. He was five of 17. He had 12 points, eight rebounds and, and 23 points, uh, 20 and 23 minutes. I was watching him and I was thinking a couple things. I'm like, one, I don't see this guy as a player who's ready to go to the NBA at all. And then I was like, well, maybe he's not fully healthy yet. Right. What were your thoughts when you were watching him? Well, I got to watch him in high school. And so I could see where if you hadn't had that, uh, you know, that, that type of experience watching him, you, you wouldn't know. But he, he, his game is a lot like, like Kevin Durant's in that he's really long. He's really rangy. He can, he can play on the perimeter. Um, explosive also with that length. So it's not like he's a stiff. He moves really well and really fluidly. You could tell yesterday that he just was not himself. Like, uh, physically, you know, coming off of a back injury like that and a surgery, there was very little, there was very little bounce. He looked, he looked frail. He didn't look like he had the benefit of that freshman year. And on the other, on the other side of that, his younger brother, who was clearly, um, option number two on their high school team and not really mentioned in the same breath, he looked fantastic. Like, and he was six man of the year in the, in the SEC, but he's had the benefit of a freshman year full of weights, full of experience, um, full of on court kind of learning on the job. And you could just tell how important that is, uh, to a kid for everybody that says that these guys are ready to go. All of them are ready to go straight from high school. I thought it was obvious yesterday, having robbed him of that freshman year, the experiences, the weight room, the coaching, the on court work. Uh, he was, he was just that far behind everyone else having not had that freshman year. Would you be playing if you were him? I would. I mean, I think I saw something the other day where, you know, a handful of general managers said they would like to see him come back. I don't know the nature of the injury in terms of like how much, how scary it is to NBA franchises. But if I heard or my camp heard that people were questioning whether I could come back and look like myself, 
I'd probably play with the understanding that the GMs aren't stupid. They know that I'm not going to be 100%, but I'm back on the court. I'll have months to kind of get myself together so that I can show right at um at at the workouts that I have to go to, so on and so forth. I love the fact that he is playing. Like I think it comes down to the point where, and you see this in college football a lot when guys send out bowl games, right? They say, hey, I'm going to get ready for the draft. I don't want to risk injury. I, if I'm evaluating players and I have two similar skill set players that I'm evaluating, I'm going to scout or a GM, I would always lean toward the guy that wanted to play. Who competed. Like, I want to see a guy who likes to actually play the sport. And I right. think that's what it showed me about Michael Porter Jr. I think it would have been easy for him to say, you know what, I'm going to get ready for the NFL, uh, for the draft. Sure. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and get healthy. And I love the fact that he actually wants to go out there and try to make a run in the tournament. And you know? I think there a little backstory on that is he, uh, I think someone from Mizzou tore an ACL. So one of their, the major cogs in their wheel tore an ACL. And so, you know, that it speaks to the character kind of to your point because very easily he could have been like, listen, I'm a top 10 draft pick. Like, good luck, guys. I'm out. Yeah. You know, and he, he even said in a post game interview that with all the injuries, he felt like he needed to do that for the team, try to give what he could give, understanding that it wasn't going to look great. Yep. So, I will say I did love the energy behind him though. Like he got a standing ovation when he came out. Yeah. And I feel like that's the part that people want. Like people were so hyped to see him. And I wonder if that got to his head a little bit. Like if he was so nervous, was feeling the pressure. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what else he can do now, but. I'm glad that that game is out of the way. Yeah, he needed that one before <laughs> yeah. the tournament. It would have been dope right. if he could have got two in the SEC tournament and then kind of yeah. got his sea legs under him. So he is projected from NBADraft.net. It's a pretty good site. He's projecting the draft picks as number two overall yeah. in the draft. So he's obviously got some potential there. With all these games that are, on, that are starting to unfold, like this is the time where I actually do get into college basketball. Because sure. college basketball regular season feels meaningless to me. Like and it's that's its biggest knock because you get 68 teams in the tournament. You know, it's not they don't matter as much. So what do you watch for? when you dial in yeah like at, the, at this time of year i guess conference tournaments conference tournaments i want to see if there's anybody out there that can that could upset somebody so when i start filling out my brackets i want to see if like the middle tennessee states or the tennessee chats or the appalachia states like teams like that i want to see if they're viable um and if they have a chance to um to upset somebody i, I also want to see like if i'm if i'm being a fanboy, i want to see like those big games in the acc like those those ones that I grew up on, like Duke, North Carolina, ACC championship. I think it sucks that they get each other in the semis, you know, but Virginia is a cool story. Like I, those, that's what I look for in conference. And then in, in the big dance, I am looking at like storylines. Yeah. I, I want to see players. Uh, I want to see players that don't nor- normally get like a national stage, uh, and are trying to make a name for themselves, trying to get to the NBA draft, trying to pull their team to the sweet 16. Like those storylines, individual storylines is what I'm looking for mostly in the big dance. I love watching games that matter for one, cause it's elimination. Like yeah. your, your, your season could be over and definitely over when you get into the tournament. But I like, I like watching for buzzer beaters. Like yeah. I think most yeah. fans, like you want to see a play like Colin Sexton when there's 4.4 seconds oh, yeah. and they're down one and he drives the length of the floor. And that was such a sweet floater yeah. through the lane. Like little, like that was, that was kind of, I think it was, was it wrong foot? And yes. kind of like it was, yeah, yeah it, it was, was a tough but finish. But he made it look effortless, yeah. which I think is what great players do. Uh, we're going to do a bunch more with Reed Forgrave later in the show on college basketball. He's super dialed in. Obviously being a Mizzou grad, he'll have some pretty good thoughts on Michael Porter Jr. So we'll get to that. But it's time for Take It or Leave It. Oh, it's a little oh, faster okay. on that yeah. one. I like it. All right. So take it or leave it. The Western Conference second round will be competitive. Yeah. Take it or leave take it. it. I'll take, take it. Take it? <laughs> yeah, take it. <laughs> no, I think, um, you know, with, with, with teams like the Pelicans, uh, Portland, uh, you know, Damian Lillard, Anthony Davis, 
teams like that really rounding out. You got OKC that, you know, they're always a wild card in there. You know, you don't want to draw them in the first round. I don't care who you are. I think there is going to be some drama there in the Western Conference, uh, second round. I, I don't know that the teams like Houston and, and, and Golden State are going to get upset, but I, I think you could see some teams giving them, you know, giving them an extra game, a game more than people thought they'd give them. And then that, that, uh, that middle of the pack race, that four, five, um, in, in that range, I think it could be, it could be interesting. Yeah. When we say competitive, like I don't think they're going to be sweeps. Right. You know? So I think right. they'll be, Five or six game series, which I think will be interesting to watch and be good for the NBA. All right, next up. Take it or leave it. (laughs) Tonight's Rockets-Raptors game is a preview of the NBA Finals. I got to leave it. Um, Leave it. Yep, thank you. (laughs) Double down on the leave it. Yeah, only because I could see one of them getting there. I've said on record I think the the Rockets could beat Golden State. Don't know that they will. And I could see the Raptors beating – Cleveland, but I don't know if both of those things happen. Like, they're, that's, that's too much of a gamble for me. I'm leaving this all day. I feel like this is Debo's probably the first moment since we've done the podcast where this felt like a little hot taking, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> which I think we try to avoid, but uh, I'm definitely leaving that one. All right. Take it or leave it. LeBron take James it leave it. is more likely to join the Rockets, Lakers, or Sixers than he is to stay with the Cavs. Leave it. Ooh. Yeah. I don't look. I mean, He's he's down to a list of four, right? He's put his list of four out there. Yeah, and they are all on that. But I he st- hasn't put out the list of four. The Ringers, Kevin O'Connor, had a tweet on Thursday that said, "I've consistently heard from multiple league sources that LeBron currently has only four teams on his list: Cavs, Lakers, Rockets, Sixers." Wait, why are you leaving it? Why am I leaving? Well, because yeah. I think it's it's way harder to leave home. Like that's 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 his home. Like he's got a compound there. Like his. His I mean, he left Miami pretty fast. He, and he's That's proven that he home. will, he will leave know, though. Still, that home, he left his home the first time to go to Miami. So he's, he's, his track record is that he will. I just think it's harder to leave home. He's 110% um, leaving. Really? Yeah. I would take it too. On good authority? I, I'm, I'm taking it, not on good authority. Yeah. I think it, I think first of all, it depends on how the season plays out. But sure. like from a pure, like risk perspective of this question, I like if it's the field or the team. I'm taking the field. Like you have three options as opposed to one staying. And this team, as much as we loved it, the new Cavs 2.0. Yeah. So where are we going? Okay. Where are we going then? If you're LeBron. you're I would Sixers? love to see him go to the Sixers. Debo's you over guys there just salivating. You trashed that a month ago when I brought it up, though. <laughs> I know, you remember that, right? I did. But now, and this is actually one of the things that bothers me about it, like right. after they played each other last, like, oh, we love you, you're the GOAT, and, you know, uh, LeBron's tweeting at Ben Simmons and Joel, like, we're great young players. Like, I can't stand that, but I do feel like that's part of the, part of the kind of the, you can start reading the tea leaves a little bit. Like, he doesn't do that after, before every game and it's after true. every game. I LeBron mean, will stay in Cleveland. Draymond was recruiting KD throughout that entire yeah. season. When they played each other, he was texting them after the See game. That? Saying, we need you, bro. It happens. <laughs> All right. All right. Next up, take it or leave it. The, take it or leave it. The Rams will pose the biggest threat to the Eagles NFC title defense in 2018. I'm taking that. Ooh, really? Yeah, I'm taking that. Um, they were, they were dope this year. Team on the rise. Um, I think a lot of people had had them in the Super Bowl this year, yep. uh, and they've only added to their uh, their ability to defend with you know getting a Aqib Talib. Yep. Is that it? Yep. Uh, Aqib yeah. Talib. Aqib. Aqib. Aqib Talib. Um, if he doesn't get shot, you know, I, and I, and they keep their. <laughs> they shoot himself. No, he got shot. Yeah, right? there were conflicting what? reports. They said the bullet <laughs> entered the high, like 
the it upper was that thigh area exited, where if you're keeping it in the pocket area. exited the calf, so it was like a downward <laughs> Wait, trajectory. I don't know the story. What happened? Oh, yeah, he got shot yeah. a couple years ago. What, what, he but missed. it was himself? He missed, yeah, he missed. Well, they don't know, I don't think. It was in Texas, right? Like, yeah. He, yeah, yeah he, missed, he missed the trip to the White House, the celebratory oh, trip. Allegedly. Oh. Yeah. We'll throw that word out there. Yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> exactly. No, but I think, I think they're legit. I think they're legit. I'm going to leave it uh, because I think the NFC has several other teams that are better contenders. I still need to see Jared Goff and that, uh, you know, that offense, which is great yep. with Todd Gurley. I'm going to see them do it again. Uh, but if you look at Minnesota, if they get Kirk Cousins, like yeah. all of a sudden they look legit. Carolina's always going to be in the mix. That NFC South feels to me like the team, the, the, the division that's going to have the better contender than the Rams and the Seahawks. I think getting younger and moving some of these pieces out and putting some offense around Russell Wilson, I think will actually help them in the NFC West. New Orleans still in the mix? Uh, yeah, which yeah. anytime they got Drew Brees, yeah. I, I think you're, you're a player there for sure. Happened a little bit after our show on Wednesday, but impact of Michael Bennett? Uh, I actually like that for the Seahawks. I, if they get, so rumors are they're gonna let go of Richard Sherman. I think this is, I like the Seahawks chances better without those two players than I do with them. Why? Uh, I think they're both really, really outspoken players. Um, not only from a political aspect, but yeah. I think they're just really opinionated, and that's hard, and they're critical of their own coaches. Yeah. Like when Richard Sherman goes up and curses out the offensive coordinator, sure. it's one thing to go after your defensive coordinator, but to cross lines and to go over the other side of the ball right. and start calling out stuff that you really aren't involved in, that bothers me. And you- I always feel like those players have been more of a distraction. And they'll get younger and cheaper. So this story uh, about Russell Wilson and his and and like there there being a disconnect between him and like Richard Sherman and and that was a real thing in my opinion. Like, I, I, so I think too. they did a good job of putting it to bed. But yeah. I kind of I kind of agree with you. I was curious to see what your why you thought. But I think just from from allowing Russell. Wilson to be Russell Wilson and for that to be his team, yep. him to be the voice of that team, the CEO that you always talk about, instead of it being, you know, Rich Sherman and, and Bennett at the mic all the time, I think that's going to be really big for them too. I think what bothers Bennett and Sherman and other players on the defensive side of that ball is that Russell Wilson is seen as this choir boy and he, pre- he presents himself as this choir boy, like right. this perfectly molded quarterback, never says anything to the media. It's always cliche filled. He's always super positive. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of a eye roll from the other For players sure. in that locker room that they look at him and they're like, oh, really? Like, this guy's getting a pass like that? Is right. he really? And I don't know Russell Wilson. I like him from a perception of, hey, great role model. Like, he does present himself this way. But I feel like there's definitely an eye roll within that locker room from some of those players that they don't love the perception of him and the way he's treated differently than other players in that locker room. All right. Take it or leave it. Tiger versus Phil will become a real and relevant rivalry again. <laughs> Correct. Leave it. Leave it. <laughs> Leave it. We no. were all on cue with that yeah. computer man. I, Leave it. I am taking this. Oh, my taking God. Taking this all day oh long. Now, let me declare. You've lost all credibility. Let me let me clarify. Now, real and relevant. 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 I don't even know. I just made up a new Relevant. Relevant. <laughs> rivalry. I think they get to compete against each other. One or two more times, like in a big Sunday. That's stage. not the take it or leave it question, bro. It was well. That's a, that's a, a real, real and relevant rivalry. Yes, they the rivalry will compete is not against one each more other. time on a big stage. You don't think so? No, that's like that's. Like, I'll say two or three times. Okay, well that, that'll that, happen. That's closer to a rivalry. All right, so maybe there's something in the middle of take it or leave it. But I'll do that. <laughs> Phil's at 47, but he's just coming off a win. Tiger's 42 minus one. He's one under at the Valspar. Like he's yeah, starting yeah, to play better. They both look good. Yeah, but there's a lot of young talent. That's, that's the thing. Dispersed in yeah. there. 
Uh, which I actually prefer. I would love to see Tiger versus Phil versus Justin Thomas sure. versus Roy McElroy and Jason Day. Like I would love to see all these guys on a Sunday. Golf, golf, after it. golf was good. Like it's in a good place with all the young guys. Yeah. But I don't think mm-hmm. it's it's not deniable that when Tiger's in there and Phil are, is in there, like it's it's just better. I would love you take it or leave it. I would love to see our show uh, at the Masters to watch this take Tiger it. versus Phil. Yeah, take, take that all day. I would day. Need some serious extra entertainment if we went there. Oh, I don't know what I'd do I do with you myself. Would be, I think you would be surprised at the scene at Augusta, like a fun okay. scene. Like it would be different than There's anything you've ever experienced. There, yeah, right? and yeah. like it's in the South. Like guys like to tip. Like they like to you okay. know put back a few. They get a little rowdy, but it is very. Uh, I could do it. You can yell like, during backswings. Yeah, no, I would prefer yeah. to like yell something. It's a big party. The like potatoes. there's it, there's a lot of fun. There's a big party. All right, last one. This is Raja's Raja's special <laughs> specialty. Breaking the mold in baseball. Take it or leave it. Do you need an explanation? Yeah, I do. All right. So the Rangers and Angels are both considering six man rotations as opposed to five. Yeah, or four. Or it used four. to be like they've basically baseball has expanded their rotations, which I hate. Because I think it's like the softness of athletes nowadays. Like right. we're so protective of guys. I hate it. I I think this is very much analytics getting involved. Things like Aaron Judge being considered to hit leadoff, a guy who's basically your classic cleanup hitter, fifty-two bombs last year. Sure. Like you're gonna move him to the front of the order, just get him more swings. Take it. Oh, you're just doing that to fade Take me, it. aren't you? Take it, baby. Yeah, I gotta fade Danny. But I don't no, know I know how I feel on this one. I don't like stuff that's stuck in. Like I'm always a guy that like, why does that have? To be that way. Like, why can't we try something different? I'm not saying that it's great or that it's going to work or that Aaron Judge should be the leadoff hitter or that rotation should be shortened or expanded, but like, give it a shot. If, yeah. if you see fruits, if analytics speak to it. And You're all then, about babying players. Yeah. Just make sure they only throw 80 <laughs> pitches. Just make sure he only pitches once a week. Like, I can't stand all that stuff. All right. Did you guys know there's a brand new way to get your latest scores, news, and highlights? Yeah, I really? bet you guys did. Because what? we have your favorite sports right here at CBS Sports HQ. It's a brand new 24-7 streaming sports information channel that's always on. And guess what? It's completely free. You can stream it anytime on the CBS Sports app for Apple TV, Roku, your phone, and other connected devices. And as always, I've been doing this at my desk all day. You can watch online at CBSSportsHQ.com. Here's what's happening with Hannah. Okay, Steph Curry suffered an injury to his right ankle just two minutes into the Warriors' 110-107 victory over the Spurs. On Thursday, Curry came down awkwardly following a foul by DeJounte Murray. The two-time MVP and two-time champ has been ruled out for Golden State's two-game road trip. Steph missed 11 games earlier this season with a similar injury. This one was a tweak. It was real tweaky. It was funky. He came down. He took a step after the play, so the foul really didn't have anything to do with it. And then he kind of tweaked his ankle. Um I, it just all depends on how bad his wheels really are. I, I don't think it's a major sprain. I don't think it's anything Golden State has to necessarily worry about uh, in the future. But you know, it's unfortunate because you know his, you know his his uh, his Achilles, if you will, are those ankles. Another injury. It was a scary situation in Minnesota last night as second-year Celtic Jalen Brown landed hard on his head and back on a dunk in the third quarter in what Kyrie Irving called full backflip mode. Al Horford said it was one of the worst falls he's ever seen. Brown laid on the floor for several minutes, but eventually walked off on his own and later tweeted, appreciate everybody. I'm okay. Got a headache, though. Good team win. Did y'all see this one? Yeah, I saw that. I'm glad he's okay because that was a nasty spill. And a lot of guys have spills. Like, I had one like that in the CBA and 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 broke my wrist. And, and you know, I was talking to a guy the other day. It's real funny. They asked me how come I didn't dunk a lot in the NBA. <laughs> I said, well, I did in, in college and in the CBA, but when, when you're in the NBA with bigger, faster people and you're attacking that rim like that, all it takes is like 
one one time that you can't really grab onto that rim and protect yourself and something like that happens, it kind of shifts your perspective a little mm-hmm. bit as a player. You could get really hurt. So glad to see that he's okay. The Timberwolves working their way towards a full roster of their own. Derrick Rose inks a deal with the T-Wolves. The former MVP was waived by the Jazz last month as he hopes to cling on to a once-promising Hall of Fame-worthy career. Rose suited up but did not play in Minnesota's loss to Boston last night. Jesus. I I just hope. <laughs> I No, hey, this is uh, – for D-Rose's sake, I hope that Thibodeau is the one guy – who can bring the joy back to the game for D Rose? Hold on a second, time out. Do you think Thibodeau's the guy to bring joy back? Not this for game? not for anyone else, right? Not for anyone else, but maybe there's a connection he had him when he was a baby. Yeah. Like maybe there's an emotional connection there, and he can tap back into um, just not the D Rose physically of old, but the emotional and mental D Rose of old. Because you hate to see a guy. It looks like he doesn't really like the game at this point. Like it's hard for him, and that sucks. Like you want guys that were that good. Um, and projected to be that good to like still enjoy the game despite the physical limitations. So I hope, I hope it works out for him there in, in Minnesota. Is he in the NBA to start next season? Um, no, nope. Not unless it's Minnesota. Dang. How does this money work? Long? So, no, so he'll get it all right. Like, but if he quits, <laughs> like, is that one of the things where he can't quit? Um, I don't know that at this point he's on, he's probably on a minimum situation. Right. He's been bought out or, or, or something like that somewhere else. Now the Adidas money yeah. is a different story. I don't know how that makes because that was a whole lot of bread. Because to me, it would seem you have to at least try to perform. But if you hang it up, then you're done. Yeah. So that question, if you had opposed it in, in that way, <laughs> like, right? Yeah. Maybe, he's, maybe he's on a roster or trying to make a roster, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, his heart, his heart doesn't look like it's in it anymore. His brother's making like 300k a year off his Adidas deal. Yeah, brother's oh, gonna yeah. have him in a training camp somewhere. He'll <laughs> <laughs> be working. All right, Serena Williams recently shared how she nearly died while giving birth in September. Tennis has to be easy after that. Well, Serena made her return to the court on Thursday, which was a perfect day to do that because it was International Women's Day. <laughs> Her first pro singles match since the 2017 Australian Open, which she won while pregnant at the BNP Paribas Open. The 23-time Grand Slam winner, Williams, advanced in straight sets. All right. Uh, tennis hot take alert. I don't think Serena Williams wins another major. I don't, really? she what? looked awful when she came back and played the doubles match a few weeks ago. She struggled in his first round match last night. And let me say this, cause I think this is How a old double are your standard. Girls? How old are your girls? 10, 9, and 5. So you have forgotten completely what it's like for your wife right after pregnancy. I am, but see, here's, but here's what, I, and I want to make sure we clarify this, yeah. because I think you would, if we said it's because of her pregnancy, we as males would get crushed for saying that. Right. And, and people all the time say, well, how can you say that? This, you know, this female. When Tiger Woods got married and had kids, people talked about his how much more challenging it would be for him to focus. So I'm approaching it from an equality standpoint. If we judge professional athletes that are male of how their life changes when they have kids and when they get married, why don't we do it with women? And I think for Serena Williams, I think it is going to be extremely challenging for her to get back to the level of play that she was before. Your focus shifts your your um your your perspective and and. And your priorities and for, change. And for a female, your body does change. I don't of, question of course. her at all. And, like, you think she's winning again? I just think she's like, I just think she's, she's a boss, a bro. Yeah, yeah. she's yeah. A boss. absolutely. And her recent str- her recent struggles are are one hundred percent because of of the physical toll that that it took on her body and the inactivity that that she had to experience and stuff like that. But she is she's a machine, bro. Like that. Like oh, she's absolutely she, she's a machine. a machine. I think she'll win again. I think you're wrong. Danny's wrong. 
We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Honey Badger on the hunt for a new home. The Cardinals have asked Tyron Matthew to take a pay cut. He's not necessarily about that. So after five seasons in the desert, the former All-Pro defensive back could be moving on. If Matthew was still on the Cards roster by March 16th, he'll be locked in with a guaranteed $18.75 million over the next two years. This is that time of year. You see it all the time. Guys feel their value is worth more than the team does. And it's the cutthroat part of the business. You get to an age, you get to a certain point. And a lot of the NFL contracts are backloaded. And because they're not guaranteed, they can cut you and save salary cap space. And that's why you're seeing a lot of big name guys who had big contracts get cut now. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Lastly, DeMarco Murray resurrected his career in Tennessee after a failed stint in Philly. But now the 30-year-old running back will become available yet again. The Titans plan to release Murray in order to more prominently feature third-year back and former Heisman Trophy winner Derrick Henry. Murray was set to make $6.5 million in 2018. Again, same, same story. And if 30, it's like dog years with running backs. 30 is like 70 Ugh. in human life. Right. <laughs> you are ancient as a 30-year-old running back, so no surprise there. All right, let's get to our guest. We tease him off the top of the show. Let's bring in Reed Forgrave for a little college basketball talk. All right, let, let's get to business. Since you're a Mizzou grad and obviously Michael Porter Jr. Uh, you know, played for the first time since having surgery yesterday, what, like, what were the emotions surrounding that from a, from a fan base, and, and, and um, what do you think we can expect from him in the tournament? The coolest moment yesterday was when he checked into the game. Uh, Conzo Martin didn't uh, didn't start him. Played him, I think, 23 minutes. Uh, but he came in about two or three minutes into the game. And this is, you know, two hour, a two-hour drive down Interstate 70 from Columbia, Missouri. And the, it was filled with Mizzou fans. And the place went nuts. It was a standing ovation for this guy who hadn't played since November 10th. And what he looked like when he was out there was an absolute superstar who hadn't played since November 10th. He was he was tentative. His shots were pretty consistently coming up short. Uh, he's he's awesome. Like the comparisons out there are mini Kevin Durant. Uh, I think that's a little bit overheated. I'd call him like a supercharged Jason Tatum. Um, somewhere in between those two players. There's a pretty big golf in between those guys. He's awesome. I don't know if having just one game under him will give him the seed legs that he needs to be 100% Michael Porter Jr., a guy who I think is a for sure top five pick. Uh, but you could definitely see when he was out there, despite the fact he only made five of 17 shots, you could see that just the beautiful shooting form, the natural scoring ability. He's, I think, the, probably the best natural scorer in college basketball this year, will be the best one in the draft in June. So, look, this takes Missouri from a, a team that's a 8-9 seed that probably wouldn't, almost certainly wouldn't have made it out of the first weekend to probably, I think, the most dangerous 8-9 seed since Kentucky back in 2014 when Kentucky limped into the tournament but then ended up making the title game. All right, I, I totally agree. I think they could be dangerous in a year that's been wide open with college basketball. We've seen upsets all over the place. So it'll be fun to watch them play. With that being said, with Selection Sunday coming up, do you have a, a solid bead on who you think the, the four number one seeds will be? Like, I think Virginia's the obvious easy one, but is there, are the other ones in place too? Yeah, Virginia's obvious. Uh, I, think, I mean, probably the two Big East teams, I think Villanova and Xavier are probably pretty all obvious as I'm frantically typing in Jerry Palm's name to my Google. <laughs> um, he has this is fourth number one seed. Uh, if Duke beats Carolina tonight, 
uh, there could be a very good chance that Duke ends up snagging that number one seed. I think Kansas would probably have it right now. But basically, Kansas' only effective big man, Udoka Zabuke, is injured. He's out for the Big 12 tournament. I think that means that Kansas almost certainly doesn't win the Big 12 tournament. Uh, they might have had a one seed locked up anyway, but the committee does take things into account like, hey, are they the same team going into the tournament that uh, – are they the same team that got this number one seed to begin with? So it's possible the committee could look at the injury and say, hey, we're going to knock them down uh, below Duke if, if Duke wins and Kansas loses. But I think I think it's probably just between those five teams. Interesting. Um, so I I know the big programs, and I know who's going to win when I'm filling out my bracket on the one in sixteen game. But what I don't know is like what that Cinderella team is going to be this year. Who's that big mid mid major program that's going to make noise in the tournament? Do you like what's your feeling on that? What team is going to jump up and just dance all the way into the Sweet Sixteen? Um, I would have said Middle Tennessee, but they <laughs> lost last night to uh, in their conference tournament. They're probably not going to make the NCAA. So that's too bad. Uh, Rhode Island is a really interesting team. If you want to call an A-10 team a mid-major, I think you probably do. Um, Danny Hurley is just, I mean, he's a Hurley, right? Mm-hmm. He's an absolutely intense coach. Gets after it. Uh, but hes I, I think he's an awesome coach who's going to go big time someday soon. Uh, they're just a very experienced group with E.C. Matthews, I think, could be an NBA talent. He's had some injuries. He's a little bit old for a guy who's going to be going in the draft. He's going to grad- He's a senior this year, but Rhode Island is a really, really interesting team. Um, so that would be the one that I would probably circle. If you want to go a little bit deeper to the Western Athletic Conference, my guy Chris Jans is coaching at New Mexico State. If they make the tournament, I think it could be really scary because this is, a, again, an experienced team that he took over, and they are one of the best defensive teams in the country. He's a Chris Jans is a Greg Marshall acolyte, uh, coached at Wichita State under Greg Marshall for years, and these guys play – like a Greg Marshall team, they just absolutely get after it. He had a he told me he had a, like he took over just this season. Uh, he's the coach that had a, that, that weird uh, video about him at a bar when he was the Bowling Green coach. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember this. Deadspin wrote about it, and he got fired from that um, after one year at Bowling Green. But he's an awesome coach, and he told me that he had a tough time reaching this group uh, at the beginning of the season. And once he reached them, they, they bought in. And they're, yeah, they're a tough team. But this does this tournament does have the – I know it's, it's, we say this every year. It does have a sense that it's going to be an absolutely wide-open tournament after an absolutely wide-open college basketball season. I think it also has some really intriguing storylines as far as who gets in, who's on the bubble. And it was funny because the last couple of days, nobody's done anything to help themselves outside of Alabama, uh, who had the, you know, Colin Sexton hit that big shot yesterday. But you had Notre Dame lose with Bonzi Colson back. Uh, Oklahoma loses in their, uh, Big 12 tournament. They've been atrocious down the stretch. Uh, Texas lost. Like all these teams that are on the bubble. Do you think, uh, let's talk about Oklahoma specifically because they've been one of the most talked about teams because of Trey Young. And his impact that he's had. Do you think they get in, and should they? I think the first four in Dayton is the perfect place for them, uh-huh. because remember they were a month ago uh, they were in that top sixteen that the uh, committee revealed, and they were the one team that people were like, "Huh, they don't belong here." What are you talking about? And it's like they've hardly won a game since then. Uh, that's what the first four is for, I think, uh, to be able to get a team. That has some potential that has shown flashes and yet 
it just it has certainly it certainly hasn't secured that perfect bid. And I think that would be great for the NCAA uh, to have a team like that on this event that people generally don't watch. People will watch it if Trey Young's playing there. No, I agree 100%. You put Trey Young in a game like that and that, that, uh, but that, that to me shouldn't be why they should have to earn their way in, not just because they have a player who's excited. Well, no, I, I, you know? I, 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 I think they earned it though. I think like if you look, these some really good wins. Uh, granted, most of them were like in non-conference or back in January, but uh, they do have some really good wins. I think like the whole of their resume is that they probably earned it. It's just if you pay attention to the past month, they've just been trash. So what what is your take on Trey Young as a player? Um, and and his skill set transitioning to the NBA. And then secondly, um, who in the tournament can we look for in terms of players that might be off the radar on a national scene that may be making some noise in the tournament and elevating their NBA stock? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I think Trey Young's going to be awesome in the NBA. Look, he's a, he's a little dude, right? Um, and he can make shots and he can distribute the ball. And there will always be questions when a guy is that slight going into the NBA. And these are the exact same questions that people had on Steph Curry when he was picked seventh overall uh, after the Minnesota Timberwolves, skipped him with the, with the two picks before that, my hometown team, good, good job, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think he's going to be great. He's really turnover prone. Um, but if you look at his freshman year statistics, they're like the advanced statistics that he has are almost identical to Steph Curry's statistics his junior year, his final season at Davidson. And this is Trey Young playing against a brutal Pac-12 that is keyed on him. Versus, you know, I think what Davidson was in the Southern Conference that that year. I keep getting that mixed up. So I, I, I do think Trey Young will be a really, really good NBA player uh, if he can withstand the, uh, you know, the more uh, the taxing physical nature of the league. Uh, as far as other NBA guys, there's a guy I was watching last night in this SEC tournament. Uh, his name's Daniel Gafford. He's a freshman for Arkansas. And I think he's been playing basketball since he was in only in ninth grade. He was in the school band until someone was like, hey, you're tall. You should play basketball. And he's like clearly doesn't understand the game of basketball. But he's just a gazelle out there. He's like a seven-footer who has just a nonstop motor. He's going to be fun to watch. He was fun to watch last night. Um, gosh, I'm trying to look through some mock drafts and see who else is is in the mix. There's a, it, like, I mean, Colin Sexton, I know he's a guy that's on a lot of people's radars, but he probably got Alabama into the tournament last night, or at least he he let them live for another day with that end-to-end. It's basically a George Gervin, like, finger roll from the free throw line. It was insane at the buzzer. And it wasn't just one play. He dominated the entire game. 27 points, made three threes. He was distributing the ball. He, to me, is – I think people – this draft is absolutely stacked at the top. That top tier of like six, seven players uh, is awesome, and I, I include him in that top tier. I think a lot of people don't. They put him like right outside that, but I think he can be a, a superstar at the next level. Plus, he has just amazing hair. Like Alabama has literally <laughs> the best hair of any team in college basketball. Um, so I think that that needs to count for something. All right, man. Hey, enjoy the uh, SEC tournament there in, in St. Louis. Hey, go out and have some fun, will you? Yeah, whatever. I'm going back to sleep right now. <laughs> <laughs> I will, well, rest I'm, up. I'm actually I'm Re- flying to Vegas on Saturday morning, so I, I'm saving up my fun 
for the weekend when I'm going to the Pac-12 final and I'm doing a Selection Sunday show out there in Vegas. So that, uh, that's when I can go have some fun, right? Oh, yeah, for I'll sure, definitely. Forward. Yeah, you got to pace yourself for Vegas, no doubt. All right, thanks to Reed uh, Forgrave for joining us. We appreciate it, man. It's been a ton of fun. You can follow him at Reed Forgrave on Twitter. And uh, also check him out on Sport, uh, CBS Sports HQ where he covers our college basketball and the NBA for us. Thanks a lot, man. All right, thanks, guys. All right, let's do some unwritten rules because there was a situation that happened last night in college basketball where you had the Colorado versus Arizona State. There was a late game, uh, Colorado dunk. They were winning. Arizona State player gets shoved, and then they come over, and there's a little scuffle. The coach gets involved. He actually gets hurt, the head coach for Colorado. But it comes to that point where you get to the game, and there are some unwritten rules. You don't run up the score. You don't throw down vicious dunks at the end of the game. Are you a are you a fan of unwritten rules, or do you think they're lame? Do you want some other examples, or are you do you want to just go with your own? Um, I, no, well, you could give me some. Why don't you give me some examples? So for I basketball, I think you don't run up the score. You okay. don't throw down dunks like that. Yeah. Baseball, you don't bat flip, watch the home run so, for ten seconds as you're uh, running down, uh, uh, you know, first the first baseline. Um, you don't shoot the puck towards the goal after a whistle. I did not know this. Hockey. That's a hockey unwritten rule. Uh, you don't try to bunt to break up a no-hitter. I actually Why don't not? know if that's an official. Um, it's not, unwritten. None of these are official. Is, no, an, un, an official unwritten rule. Uh, I don't know if that one's in there. Uh, you don't cross the pitcher's mound. What's that mean, don't, don't cross the pitcher's mound? Like if you're running out to the field or you're coming back from an out. Like if you A-Rod once did it against Dallas Braden and – Braden just was not having like it. I can't run from my position no, like to the if you, dugout if you had and cross a, the mound. If you if you're if you had a like a, if you were trying to beat out a single yeah. and you got thrown out at first base and you circled back, you're going back to your dugout and you ran past the pitcher's mound. Oh, like that's that's his territory. Oh, okay. Yeah, you don't want to. All right, yeah. okay. So <laughs> dumb. Disrespectful. They're all dumb. Oh, what about so this one? Dumb. Kick the ball out of bounds when someone is injured in soccer. Yeah, I did not know that one. Uh, what do you think? What do you I, think of the unwritten rules? I think they're all dumb. All right, so I you're totally so you're agree. okay with the team running up the score. Listen, if you if you don't like it, do something about it. <laughs> Real talk. If yeah. you don't want if you don't want a lob thrown on you, then defend. Like what what do you want me to do? So so because I see it as like I was a guy who may not have played until the end of the game at times in my career, and so I come in this game and I've been sitting there practicing all week, and we're winning because it's the only time I'm going to get in. We're up ten, and I don't get to shoot a shot. I get my last minute and a half of the game, and I don't get to shoot a shot. Like, All right. What? Here's the difference. Right. Here's the difference. Because okay. I think that is totally okay. Like, if you put in backups right. and you're still shooting, I have no problem with that. But what if you leave in your starters when you're up 25 and there's four minutes in the game? Well, that I mean, that's disrespectful, certainly. I mean, there's a level of sportsmanship that you would hope that people would – that's what, what I'm talking. But, so that's the unwritten rule. No, but like, there's, not, there's an unwritten rule to take out your starters. If you're well, that's 20. that's different. I mean, we didn't talk about that one. But like, if you're, if, and I would only say that because if if you have a bench full of kids or or young men that need the opportunity to play, like that's their opportunity to play. Right. But if I didn't have like a bench and I was only a seven deep team, like I'd keep playing. What I'm about not gonna pull the dog? Like I'm not going to ask people to stop playing because they're too good for your team. I don't subscribe to that. At what all. about the bat flip? Because it, it was what was the Toronto uh, Blue Jays playoff I would throw game. that thing around like a helicopter if I hit a damn home run. <laughs> I whip right. that thing over my head and like flip it like I got no problem with a bat flip. And you're talking about like the the bat the bat flip, Danny, is not even like a throw it up twenty feet in the air flip. Most of like the time, people, they look like accidents. They it's like if how many rotations. Jose Bautista probably had like four. So Jose but Bautista, but like his can't in a playoff game, it was a walk-off, right? I think it, I think it, it was, but it was a game winner. I don't know if it was a walk-off or not. I'm okay with that one. Yeah. 
But see, this is where the unwritten rules come back. Because I've talked to a lot of baseball players specifically about that one, and they're right. like, in that situation, they're okay with Walk it. Walk off. But if it's, if it's, you know, the middle of June, and it's the third inning, and there's a player up there, and he gets a, you know, a solo home run, and he's showboating, like watching it and walking down the first baseline, he's getting ear hold the next time he comes up to bat. Why? And I'm okay with that. Because you don't want to show up, you don't want to show up the other team. Like, be classy about it. I don't know, it. I feel like, like baseball players play extra dirty. Like, I see that being fine. Like, they all do dumb stuff like that all the time. A flip of a don't bat is a showboat. I'm trying to equate that to like, what that would be in, like the NBA. The All NBA. Right, so here's the what, here's the okay. equivalent. Here's the equivalent. You're on defense. Right. Guy's coming down the lane and dunks on you. Yeah. But then he walks over you and stands over you nope. for three seconds. That's not the same. It is too. That's not it's nearly the same. How, how about like up. Steph's shimmies and dances after he hits a three nope. or, or turning around and walking before the shots even. No problem with that. Like, yeah, I don't have a problem right. with that. Good, good, but is that a you. similar equation? Yeah, I think so. Or that's what I was going to equate it to. Like when you hit a three in my face, like you cross me, cross me. James Harden did it the other day. Stood there and looked and looked at, uh, <laughs> looked at boy, him when he went down. and then shot it. Or, or like oh, all right. of those threes that they put to their forehead and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, look, if if you don't like it, pitcher, do something about it. What about if I don't want you throwing threes in my face, I got to do something about it. It's different than like Scotty pushing down Patrick Ewing and pointing at him. That's a physical thing. Yeah. Like if you if you if you went up to me as a pitcher after you hit a home run and and elbowed me in the chest and said, "Yeah, I just jacked that." Now now we got a beef. But the the like the feelings hurt type of stuff like I just don't buy into that. Like I'm all about trying to dominate games, trying to win, yeah. trying and I like to have fun, but it's what was ingrained in me from my dad. Yeah. He said I'd rather you win the best sportsmanship award. No, I hear that. No, he didn't say that. He wanted me to win, but he right. also wanted me to win. <laughs> he wanted you to win the right way. I you know, you. like to do that. Yeah, and I, I like. I, I think look, there is a right way. That's the unwritten part. There is kind of a right way to do stuff. I say like, all of that. What if your boys are out there playing and they're showboating after three? And they're... listen, I don't let the first time one of the kids, like when we first started in third grade, one of my kids hit a three and he started doing the Steph Curry stuff. I call a timeout and I let everybody know we, that's not how we do it. Right. Like I say that I don't mind it, but I don't teach it. Like right. my kids, we were up. Like 15 the other day, the John Lucas, and one of my kids hit a, a buzzer beater at halftime to put us up like 17, and the bench started going crazy. And you would have thought like one of my kids like started a fight or something. I ran out there, I stopped them all, I sat them down. I, I don't, I don't do it. Like I wasn't a showboat when I played. Having said that, like I, I think that it's a joyful game sometimes, and I don't have a problem with other people doing it. But I'm with you. Like I don't, I was taught like act like you've been there before, dude. Just do it. Win and keep it moving. Side note, before we move on to topics, I almost got kicked out of a youth basketball game last night. What? My daughter's playing in the playoffs. <laughs> no way. Ten years old. She, now, first of I all, her it. team is full of 10-year-olds, and they're playing a team with a lot of 12-year-olds, right. girls basketball. The other team was playing like this. You're not supposed to go full-court press. Yep. You're supposed to like just play regular defense. So they had like this 3-2 like half-court press. Yeah, like they, were, they were waiting like at the line, yeah. and they were dialed in. But the other thing that they did, and this is what bothered me, is they would cherry pick. And it was so bad. Like, they would literally, they would only, because they were that much better, but they would leave a fifth girl back at the other end of the and court. And then they had one girl who was, like, 12 and who could throw it the length of the court. So every time there was a bucket or a miss, they would go out, launch it back, and get a layup. So, and it was driving me nuts. And I didn't want to get on our coaches because I don't coach. Like, right. and I, that's my thing. They put in the time. But I started yelling <laughs> at the other coaches, being like, that's not basketball. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. Good for you. Uh, Danny's so, going to need an anger management. Yeah, I go. might have to. But I, I took I a I can recommend breath. one. I took a, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Since we're, uh, we're here, we need some feel-good stories. All right? So let's get to our feel-good minute on Wednesday. Our South Florida legend, D. Wade, made a surprise visit just up the road to Marjorie Snowman Douglas High School, the site of February's mass shooting. The Heat star met with students and teachers, telling them they were inspiring him. One of the shooting victims 
Joaquin Oliver was buried in Wade's heat jersey. D. Wade had Oliver's name written on his sneakers and dedicated the rest of the season to him as well. It's been one of the best stories of the NBA this uh, year. In fact, he did the game winner one night with his name uh, name on his shoe. Mm-hmm. But D. Wade didn't only just put the name on the shoe. He actually went to Douglas uh, this week on Wednesday. He went to Parkland, and after he met with some of the students, he tweeted out, I just had a great conversation with some of the students at Stoneman Douglas High about some important, impactful things that they have planned. I'm looking forward to being more involved in the change that they will create. Hashtag MSD strong. Awesome story for D-Wade to get involved locally and do more than just send out a tweet or just put something on the shoe, but to actually go visit those students. I love this story. I feel like more athletes need to look at this and do stories like this. And D-Wade specifically is like such he has such class when he does that i i worked with him once i interviewed him once at a hospital and it was a children's hospital and he got in trouble for staying in these rooms too long and, to, and for talking to these kids for too long they were like we got to go you have other things to do yeah but he really takes his time and he really appreciates the community and i think that more more athletes need to do that of course this situation is unbearable but yeah he really made the best out of a terrible situation. Yeah, he did. You applaud him for that. Like a lot of athletes now, the old saying is put your money where your mouth is. Athletes typically don't have a problem doing that. What I ask him to do is put your time where your mouth is. Mm-hmm. Like go out there, like hit the streets, uh, get get involved with, with the youth or the community, get your hands dirty. Like when we played, my wife was always really good about going above and beyond what the team had set up for us in terms of community work and going out there and, and picking organizations for us to work with as a family. I think it's, it's really important. Um, even when things are great for, for our guys that do in their community, but when tragedy hits and you can make a difference, like I'm all for it. I applaud him for it. Yeah, it's easy to cut a check, but yep. it means something to give your time. Absolutely. So that's really cool from D-Wade. All right, let's get to it. Let's do some topics. Topics. <laughs> this one might be our most polarizing topic yet. Tom Brady shaved his head. Whoa. He, he did should. raise a ton of money for cancer research. Good. Good. How's he look? What do you think? <laughs> Hannah, Danny. No, he does like, this good. all the time. This is you two. Who cares? Why is this, why is this a headline? Uh, like, where, he was like at a mall. There were a ton of people there. Like he did in a chair. A bunch of people were Tom lined Brady up. Tom Brady raises money for charity. Done. That's good. That's it. But he had to a do tiny something headline. for it. He shaves his head all the time though. No, That's no, a lot of money. I'm saying it's fine it that he, I'm saying it's Just fine. Just give him some props. It's not that hard. Just no. say, well done, Tom Brady. No, Can you people say that? Give, no. No. Athletes, athletes give to charity all the time. Can you just say way to go, Tom? You can't. No. This is a good thing. No, no. I think I, I, I think just, I applaud him for giving so much to charity. But like, why is it a big deal that he shaved his head? Nobody cares. I thought it was cool. <laughs> I, I feel like I need to stay out of this. Yeah, okay. right? Debo, exactly. next topic. Yeah. Next on. topic. Wait, yeah. what do you think? No, no, no. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. No. <laughs> so, Raja, you ever post any uh, workout videos? <laughs> workout videos seem to be kind of an ongoing oh, craze. Big time. You guys were talking about kind of flaunting on the court. These guys flaunting off the field, off the court. Alvin Kamara had a, a sick video the other day pulling a, a Jeep. These guys' cars are featured in a lot of them. If you guys during your careers were to post one of your workouts, what would it be? Um, <laughs> no. the, I can picture you guys being the there. The curls I was doing at the bar with the Jeep. <laughs> no. um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, you know what? We had some pretty cool – late in my career, I picked up CrossFit. Um it didn't really correlate to on-court success, but I don't know if that was because I was just an older player anyway. But it really was was cool and it transformed my body. But some of the stuff we were doing out there with 
with the sledgehammers, the 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 double ups or whatever they call them, the ring <laughs> the ring work and the the tires. Like it was it was it was cool work. It would have been something. like I that. I definitely would have tried to put out a workout video, like of something yeah. that I was doing that looked cool, but it wouldn't really hard to find something that was cool. Uh, when I was in the Broncos, we used to have to do these, and you'd do it with the whole team. Like, it was official off-season workouts. A lot yeah. of these guys are working out on their own. But we would do in lines, you would do box jumps. And I'm sitting there going with guys who have 37, 38-inch verticals with my 27, 28-inch yeah. vertical. And it's <laughs> after you're tired. And I was scared to death that I was just going to tear up my shins, like not clear the box. Yeah. So I don't. I would have had to maybe edit some of these to make them look good. I think they're kind of cheesy, and I think every player wants to look, look, how, look how hard I'm working. They, they're like, so cheesy. They I don't care what you do and who you are. You right. put out a workout video, and it's like you you kind of like, oh, yeah, do it's, that? It's a little cringeworthy, you know I but mean? I think they do it thinking, hey, look how hard I'm working. Like, let me showcase right. this. But show me the results at the end of the year. Like, it's that's better than like a mirror selfie a at the gym. car with yes. like what was on his shoulders. Like, it was, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah I, I look. It was, but is it that hard to pull a car? I don't know. It's a good question. I don't think it is. Probably good not. Question. Team activity. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't seen a J.J. Watt workout video in a while. Because he learned. <laughs> he learned, like, the backlash of doing too many workout videos. It's like, all right, call, chill out, buddy. Hey, Randy, <laughs> this last one for you. They have started to make UCF national champion license plates. Yeah. I saw your car in the parking lot this morning, and you had <laughs> the first one. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. I still have Connecticut plates. But I have to switch. I would do it. If I didn't go to Florida State. Because I, I think Florida State fans would actually be mad at me. You can have but a sticker I, somewhere else. I, that, is, that is true. 93 national champs. I love champs. it. Why shouldn't they get a license plate? Like, good for them. Everybody else has license plates Because they're state. not national champs. Yeah, they are. They're co-national champs. They went undefeated. <laughs> hey, I like it. Hey, they can call it whatever they want to. Good for them. Do no we one. have a five-star Q&A sound? Ooh. We have a five-star Q&A sound. Let's, Let's hear it. it. Five-star Q&A. <laughs> What a major eye roll. It reminds me of like a movie trailer. And then the movie trailer like sucks. Shout out our voiceover guy. Yeah, shout out our voiceover guy. I think they need to be just a little bit longer, like a little bit more information. Like here's our Friday five-star Q&A with Hannah and maybe a little music underneath the bed. Mm. No, we need sirens. Yeah. Yes. Still a laser. Still a laser. Okay. From Game Day Cole, he says, what did you think of the new ball introduced to the NBA in 2006? That ball was the worst <laughs> it was awful. It was uh, it was super sticky, and so everybody like any bounce pass that you threw with the with the old ball would skip across the court. The new ball was so grabby that it would like check up and hop right into the air. So it changed the way people passed. Same thing with shooting off the glass. Like you shoot it off the glass, the ball would kind of slide off the glass, and you knew what angle to put it in. Ugh. Well, this one grabbed the glass and stopped. So all kind of layups on the on the backboard or or little jumpers off the backboard were different and. That wasn't even the worst part. Like guys like Steve Nash, myself, Eddie House, Leandro Barbosa, just guys that I know on the Suns, the ball was so grabby that every time you caught it, it pulled at your nail bed a little bit, like that Stop. right underneath your nail. Yeah. We had huge cuts under our nail from the ball grabbing every time we caught it. You'd have, you know, three fingers on a hand would have like big old like wounds on them because of this ball. It was the worst thing the NBA ever did. <laughs> Man. All right. From Houston Cora, if Raja gave it his all, could Danny score in a hoops game of one-on-one to ten? <laughs> I'll let him answer first. I think he just answered. <laughs> Am I in shape? Am I in shape? Well, that, that's a, I, so here's, Today, here's, after the podcast, we'll, we'll put yeah, that Yeah, he'll probably on. get a bucket. 
I think I could get one. You get a bucket. It'd have to be kind of a prayer. I think it would have to be from deep. But I think I could get get some range. Because physically, like right now, like you give me two checks at the ball and I'm going to be really tired. So you're going to, you're going to get a bucket. (laughs) All right. Props to me. All right. From Creamy19NE, I hate your handle. Please change yeah, it. me too. Danny and Raja, if you didn't have this podcast and were not allowed to pursue a profession in sports, what do you think you would currently be doing? Ooh, oh, going? no sports. So this is like no sports Wait, ever. Like this yeah. is this is what we would assume. What, what would your profession be if you didn't become professional athletes? That's from SoxFan75. A little bit better, better worded question too. I was pre-med my yeah. first two years at Florida State, and then I gave it up because I was playing two sports. It was just way too much to do. Sure. My dad's a doctor. I would have liked to think that I would have tried to pursue that, but man, going to medical school was hard. Like I don't know, I don't know if I would have had it in me. I probably would. That would have been my first guess. The other thing would have been maybe real estate. What kind of yeah. medicine? Would I you, probably would have followed my it? dad, like sports medicine. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, he's so no he's, sports. <laughs> no <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, plastic yeah. surgeon, then for sure. Um, honestly, I don't know, and this is just me being honest. I was Wait, one of really? those. Yeah. You never thought about it? Nope. Doesn't that like, kind of like if? in the? Doesn't that kind of scare you? Like it somewhat, does. Really right? scary. I mean, right. it, it. I said it to my wife the other day about how lucky and blessed I was to like, and I had thought about it. Don't don't get me wrong. I just there was nothing that ever really interested me like sports did. So there was nothing that I could see myself doing that wasn't sport related cuz just nothing interested me like that. Um and it is it's a scary thing. Um lucky for me That's it worked crazy. out. That's crazy. I feel yeah. like I could see you being like a professor. A professor? <laughs> yeah. I, I was what subject? Like <laughs> math, math based like on the other day. Oh, okay. So wise. No, Do you yeah, right. I mean? No. I, uh, <laughs> Wait, what about you? What would you be doing if you weren't in sports, Debo? I wanted to be a dentist when I was like 5. No way. Nice. And then I got afraid of who wants to be a dentist? I hate It's kind of interesting. Me too. Everybody yeah. hates the dentist. Yeah, you now I do. That. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not when I was five. Oh, that's what terrified me when I was five. Uh, what else we got? Uh, from They Call Me Hazuda. Ha- Hazuda. Wow. Rob from ATL's friend. All right. Fort Lauderdale area golf suggestion slash favorite. Ooh. <laughs> Fort Lauderdale area. Take yeah. Uh, there's some good golf around here. I would say private. If you're looking for private, I would go with my old stomping grounds, Coral Ridge Country Club. Okay. Shout out to the Ridge. Uh, public. Hmm. What do you got? Um, Can you get on Weston Hills? Yeah. Is uh, that private? Weston's, Weston's private for Lauderdale. Private. It's not semi. Um, like you can't get out there. Uh, you probably can. I mean, it's not semi technically, but you could. You could probably get out. Um, but I would say if you're going private, I would uh, throw Adios. Adios. Oh yeah. That's well, it. Hannah can't play there though. Oh, uh, true. True. It's all men's club. No, no females. Shout out on, international on Wednesday. Wednesday. It's incredible. <laughs> That's um, fine. I'll for that reason, I can't go Adios. Public. Um, what it's about, hard to think of. Is like, Top Golf a thing people like to do? <laughs> yeah. Have you been to Top Golf? I don't yeah. think that's no, what Mizzou was asking for. <laughs> no, no. I know, but listen. Shout I've out only... Top Golf. No, it is, it is a ton of fun. I've done it with my family. I you feel should bring like your boys. Is it, is it open down yeah. in yeah. Miami Gardens? Oh, it's word? pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. They it's like Top Golf in Miami Gardens. Yeah, you can see it if you ever drive down to Miami from Fort Lauderdale. You can literally see it off of ninety five. Yeah, the first time I can see it in the distance. Yeah, we're there. There you go. I think it's like a good date night. Oh, it's a great date night. It would be. Yeah, all jokes aside. Plantation Preserve, very nice public track. Good call. Um, um, Jack Aranda's nice. Yep. Um, 
you go you start going up to like Deerfield. You got Deer Deer Park, I believe Deer it is. Creek. Deer Creek. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. very good public. There track. we go. We got um, to we, we got to yeah. Hazuda. no doubt. Yeah. Um, he also says, Danny, what was the longest, most ridiculous slash crazy night you why ever had I, why, in college? Why am I the only one getting asked this question? I didn't do that. Did oh. Bobby know at practice the next day? All right, so I, they used to have a thing called Spring Weekend in Panama City. Oh yeah, I'm, which was I'm a ton of fun. Yeah, it was a blast. <laughs> so the longest crazy weekend I ever had, I was playing football and baseball. Yeah, and I was playing baseball. Uh, for Florida State. And we had a series against Wake Forest and all my football buddies were going over to the spring weekend. So I was kind of like, man, I'm like, this sucks. Like I got to play baseball now, but didn't let it stop me. So we had a game, got over around 10 o'clock, made the drive to Panama City after the game. It was a pretty good night. Like it was a fun night, stayed out late, slept in, but I had to be back for the game on Saturday night because it was right. a three game series. Right. Had so much fun Friday night that I actually did the same trip again Saturday night. Oh, nice. So it wasn't just one night. It was kind of this whole weekend. How far of a drive? And, uh, it was about an hour and a half. Yeah, like, bad. it wasn't too bad, yeah. but it was long. Like, yeah, I had sure. to go back and forth and back and forth. But Sunday, the third, like, the, the rubber mats between he the games. He did it again. Like, I, no, no, <laughs> I didn't do it again, but let me just say, I was hurting in the dugout during that game. <laughs> what year was that? Uh, my sophomore year. Let yeah, me just early. tell everyone, Panama City is kind of Sneaky. like watching... Florabama Shore. On Not MTV. kind of. It is. <laughs> like it's the Redneck exactly Riviera. Yeah. It is. It's spring break, but it's like it's cheesy spring break. Yeah. Yeah. But it's fun. We had, we had like 14 guys staying in a Holiday Inn in one room, oh all gosh. football players. One of the dudes, offensive lineman, had the worst smelling feet of any, like oh. it, it, it stunk up the entire room. The whole weekend. And everybody was killing him Ew. and he couldn't do anything to get rid of it. It was awful. Ew, that's yeah. awful. Yeah, I would kick it him was out. Nasty. Um, all right, so both again, if you could pick any professional sport other than the one you played, what would it be and why? This is easy for me. It's baseball. Baseball. Like, I wish I would have played baseball. That's yeah. That's my thing. Um, I like football. Yeah, I would have, I would have liked to, uh, I mean, I don't know that I would have wanted to play it you professionally. You could have been, you could have been, cause I've heard you actually get mistaken for this guy. Yeah. I think you could have been like, uh, Jason Taylor. Like, he's not that much bigger than you. You could have bulked he's- up. And you were a little bit taller than him. You guys yeah. both have the like same I think head. you would have been a nasty. I think you could have been. I think you could have made it. JT JT likes to hoop too. Yeah, like he gets into yeah. some hoop games. He gets real physical on a basketball yeah. court. You got a good mindset for yeah. it too. Like you would be. You would have that focus. You get angry. Like you got that intensity yeah. level that you would need. I think yeah. you could have done it for sure. <laughs> I wish so badly I like pursued a sport and I stayed with it. Yeah. Volleyball. Guys, Volleyball was the only thing I was like <laughs> mediocre at. How tall? Me? Yeah. Five nine. Oh, that's a good height. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyways. Yep. <laughs> uh, C- CB Morning says, in Madden or 2K, do you create yourselves? And if so, what is your ratings when you do? Full cash. No, I don't. Mine was awful. No. Uh, I used to when I was younger, though. And always my rating would be like a thousand, like whatever the best rating <laughs> could be. Like, I didn't, I didn't play video games for like the purity of them. I played them for like, for like trying to see how many passing yards I could throw if I was a quarterback and I made myself no but I don't I don't play them anymore my kids do my kids play but they don't create themselves they just go out there and and, and play with the teams good stuff I didn't do it because I was awful my ratings were awful <laughs> alright uh, that's a wrap for us this Friday hope everybody has a great weekend make sure you go check us out on Apple Podcasts download subscribe leave us those five star reviews in them ask your question which we will get to every Friday like we did today check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Canel and Bell everyone have a fantastic weekend <laughs>